This episode is brought to you by my friends Quinn and Samantha Bible of Salt and Strings Butchery in Southern Illinois. Order your custom beef today by visiting saltandstrings.com or check the link in the show notes. Well, welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Eric Kahn, and I'm joined in studio in my office under the enormous Elkhead by the one and only Mr. and Pastor Dan Burkholder. Yes. Thank you for having me. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Super jacked. <laughs> Super jacked. Actually, metaphorically and also maybe literally. We'll get to that. But Dan, we're doing a follow-up episode. Uh, we started, what, three months ago? Yeah, it was a little over three months ago. The Hardeman Carnivore Challenge. The meat extravaganza. Yep. Lots of meat. So I guess just for people who maybe didn't hear that or just to refresh to jog even my memory, what did we set out to do? Yeah. So we, I had, I had discussed how I was convicted, convicted and convinced on a, on my archery elk hunt. I was like crawling through deadfall <laughs> and just miserable. Cause I'm like fat, feel heavy on my feet. My knees took a pounding first time in my life. My knees have really hurt. Like, man, I need some discipline. And, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about the carnivore diet. And so I'm like, well, it's the opposite of veganism. So I'm all about that. Uh, and I like meat. And uh, so we had decided that, you know what, let's for, well, I had proposed 30 days, 30 days carnivore. And you're like 30. Why not 90? And I was like, yeah, yes. why not do it? Let's do it. And so that's why we had started. There were some health issues I was having as well that I didn't really share. Um, but you know, they were kind of minor at this point, but headed into a bad trajectory. So it wasn't just discipline, although that was part of it, but also health. And then there was another part where it was just curiosity mm. because like I said, there was a lot of people talking about the carnivore diet that had definitely gained some popularity. Yeah. Some of the people that we followed on Twitter, you know, were extolling the benefits of, of eating meat. Well, we, especially going down to Dallas, we were talking with JB. Yeah. JB uh, yeah. from 2S Ranch. And uh, he was talking about how he'd had all these health problems. And I think probably we were kind of resonating and going, you know, you, you hear somebody's success and uh, I believe he's in his sixties, uh, but just in premier good health. Yeah. It looks great. And we we're like, dang, I'm, whatever JB's got, I want that. Yeah. Yeah, you line up our pictures next to JB and you're like, who's the healthiest one here? And you're like, yeah, the gray hair is probably <laughs> like the healthiest one. So we got inspired. Yeah, so we were inspired. And so, yeah, we decided, you know what? Let's do a hard thing. Let's try it. Let's try to, to deny ourselves and just eat meat. And so we did. So it's been, yeah, over 90 days. Over 90 days. Yeah, I think my 90th day was Christmas day. Wow. So, so yeah, maybe yeah. that's a, a good place to start. Uh, with a couple things uh, as we get into this. Uh, number one, one, kind of the interesting thing that happened in the course of us doing carnivore, of course, we were paying attention to nutrition, the carnivore world, and one of our heroes. Which one? Bell. Oh, oh man. Liver <laughs> so, King. Liver King. No. Very subprimal. So it's interesting <laughs> because I, there was a lot of good memology happening. And on the one hand, they were like, okay, listen. Eating bull testicles, primal. Shooting yourself up with steroids, I don't 
don't know, Dan. Subprimal. Subprimal. So I think that's as subprimal as a soy burger. Oh, so I guess I don't know who didn't follow this. It was pretty popular. Yeah. But what happened? Yeah. So there's this guy, he bust on the scene. He, he must have been, a, I think Instagram, he was very popular on Instagram. That's where he was huge. Yeah. I found him on YouTube. Uh, cause I don't really do the gram Insta, whatever the kids call it. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I saw, I saw his videos. I mean, like the thing is the guy is like absolutely ripped. Yeah. I mean, unbelievably humongous man as far as muscles and, and his physique is, is quite incredible. And so you're like, well, how do what in the world is this guy doing? And then he's kind of, like you said, he's like a meme. He's like a living meme. You know, he's just like over the top about everything. He's eating like (laughs) humongous, like whole raw lungs and testicles and raw liver. And it's just like over the top kind of stuff. I watched it and I'm like, this guy is a master of entertainment. Like he's a master of entertainment, but, but you know, so you're following this guy's journey and you're like, is there a part like, yeah, he, nobody really, I thought believed that he wasn't, you know, jacked up on steroids or something or something. Yeah. But you know, HGH or, or whatever the, I'm not actually not that familiar with that world, but you know, there's gotta be something. This isn't just raw liver no, with maple syrup. That's getting him this big, you know, but there is a part where it's kind of like, I kind of like the guy. Well, it was interesting. So we did a podcast on the hard men podcast uh, with Matt Reynolds from Barbell Logic. And Matt's very familiar with that world. We were kind of like, yeah, it was pretty obvious from the beginning that this guy was doping. Yeah. But it, it, I think the appeal was, in a very odd way, it works. We all know, like, WWF wrestling is fake. Yeah. We all know that. But it's kind of like a car accident. You're somehow also attracted to these personalities. Like, you knew Randy Savage. Like, it was an act. Yeah. But to me, that's what I said. That's what Liver King feels like to me. And in a way, I don't know what'll end up happening. In a way, I think it didn't really change a lot that people knew he was fake because we're like, well, yeah, we knew that. But I don't know. There's just something entertaining about watching a guy eat raw testicles. Well, yeah. And there's also like a definitely like an alpha male sort of aspect where he's very direct. Um you know, he's telling you, he's telling people what to do. Yeah. You know, and in a very masculine way, even, uh, so I didn't watch a lot of his content, but he has like his primal boys and his primal queen, you know, or liver, liver boys and liver, liver princes. I can't remember <laughs> liver queen. Yeah. You know? And so actually the one video I did watch of him, he was in a, uh, in Africa hunting with tribes, like primal tribes. Right. And it's really funny, by the way, because it kind of undermines his whole message, like primal living. And you look at these tribesmen in, you know, the remote parts of Africa. Yeah. And they're like 80 pound men. And then here's this dude (laughs) who's got to be like 250 pounds. He's short, too. I think he's only like five, five or five, six. I mean, he's a tiny guy. And he's absolutely ripped, you know, running around with these little little guys, you know, in Africa. Anyway, it was just kind of funny. But yeah, it's crazy, too, because so Derek at more plates, more dates, uh, which is a YouTube channel. He was kind of the one that unpacked it. And I guess liver King was doing like 15 to 20 grand a month in HGH and hormones and stuff like that. Well, what I want to ask you though, Dan is, uh, there has been a lot of renewed interest in this issue of carnivore. And I think in particular, there's also interest in veganism, but I think there are a number of people on both sides of the aisle 
who are trying to get away from refined carbohydrates. Uh, they're trying to get a, away from like high fructose corn syrup, seed oils, um, a lot of those things. And, and for good reason, I think. My question is when you have a movement, just in general, like carnivore, how much do you think it helps or hurts that some of the main people, or at least one of the main guys who was pushing it, even if it was comedic, even if it was fake wrestler personality, how much of that do you think ends up hurting something like carnivore or animal-based eating? I mean, I probably don't have a very good pulse on the zeitgeist of the general carnivore community sure. or whatever, but in, I mean, in my perception, I looked at that as like, obviously, like this doesn't change anything. Was it anybody was obvious actually every, fooled? Yeah. Was anybody actually fooled? Like you knew he was lying. He knew he was lying. <laughs> he knew you knew he was lying. Like, and surprise, he, he was, was lying. lying. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't really know if even he was uh, propping himself up as a champion of carnivore. He didn't write the book on carnivore. Now, if Sean Baker, who wrote the book, The yeah, Carnivore maybe, Diet. Maybe it's different. That would be a different thing, I think. If you found out like, oh yeah, he's actually doping, which he could be. Yeah, so <laughs> Sean's another one. It, I, I think it does kind of, I don't know, like Barry Bonds, when you saw like the pre and the post, like when he was with the Pirates, he was like, I don't know. I'm guessing it weights here, but say he was like 185 pounds, kind of a skinny guy. Yeah, yeah. He goes to the Giants, and then he's like... Becomes one of them, a giant. Yeah, literally <laughs> looks like Jose Canseco. It doesn't take very much to put two and two together and say, okay, I think right. that something's going on here. Yeah, I mean... But then when you found out that it really was, you know, it really was the case that, yeah, of course he's doping. We can say we all knew... But it has changed people's perspective. Yeah, that did hurt the credibility of baseball, I believe, you know, during that time, because you also had Mark McGuire. Yeah. You know, and so you have to think like, well, anybody that is then outperforming the average, you know, they're probably doping. Just like, you know, in baseball today uh, or earlier in the season anyway, when um, of this last year with the pitching, Mm. you know, like the cheating, they were cracking down on cheating for Mm -hmm. pitching like pine tar and such. Yeah, I remember. You know, that. you know, you're like, oh yeah, you're actually like you're pitching a really good game. You're probably cheating, so we're going to check you anyway. Yeah, that you becomes know, so the, problem. the credibility. Yeah. yeah, so I can see what you're talking about. I think, I think the thing is though, you know, you talked about refined carbohydrates. People are trying to get away from those things. I think really what what is underlying all of these health movements, all of the interest in carnivore or paleo or whole thirty or whatever the flavor of the moment is, is that there is a problem. There are massive health problems. Uh, I just, I I saw a study. uh, The fertility of men has dropped 50% in 50 years. Not good. No, that's just fertility. I'm not even talking about testosterone levels, which is definitely an aspect of that. But I mean, like the ability to procreate. Yeah, I read one study that said uh, if things continue at the current rate of decline in sperm count in men by 2050, now, you want to be careful with some of these like doomsday predictions. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, but, otherwise we'd be a raging ball of inferno like, right. from climate change. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of people saying, okay, look, by 2050, like men are basically going to be infertile as a whole. Yeah. If nothing changes, that's the trajectory. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where we're headed. So you can at least say, hey, it's a really bad trajectory. This is not good. To your point, there is a problem. Yeah. There are problems. There are massive problems. And so people, uh, especially in the nutrition world are trying to figure out what is the answer. 
And it seems like we're centered in on a lot of these refined carbohydrates and, you know, sugars and things like that as being um, the potential cause of a lot of the health woes. Mm -hmm. And so I think really what you have, my long tangent in, in saying this is you have somebody that's come out and said, you know what, the carnivore diet, you know, here's a carnivore diet. This avoids a lot of the issues. This can solve a lot of the health issues um, that we're experiencing today. Now, do I believe in the carnivore as like the, the end all be all for all of humanity? Actually, I do not, even though it's been surprised beyond 90 days and I'm still on carnivore um, because I feel really good on it. We'll get into that more, I'm sure. But I think it's an interesting truth claim. So that's, I think with all of these different diets that you're seeing and different lifestyles is really people are saying there's something wrong. We think we know what it is, but we're not sure. And so here's a possible solution. So liver King doping, Sean Baker, you know, doping or whomever, like having some character issues or flaws in their, in their studies or something like that. I don't think that really changes the fact that there are problems and people are trying to figure out how to solve it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you're, you're seeing more of is a move away from establishment, institutionalized, whatever it might be institutionalized medicine. Yeah. Uh, many people in America last night, we were watching the bills play Cincinnati. You've got a guy who collapses of cardiac arrest. We do know this for sure that a young, like 20, 40 year old guy had a heart attack, cardiac arrest yeah. on, on the field. And that's never happened before. And it seems to be concurrent with some other major trends. And, and, and so I think because of that, here's what I'm driving at. There are just a lot of people saying, I don't really trust these federal institutions, these world institutions, because the information that they've given us for a long time, we're now finding that's not good information. A lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many examples that we could give. One of the big ones though is cholesterol. Yeah. Cholesterol, the American heart association back in, I believe the seventies, you have to fact check me on all this stuff, but I believe it was in the seventies, maybe even earlier than that. They, they had determined some sort of correlation through actually no evidence whatsoever that cholesterol was tied to heart disease. Yeah. Ansel and, keys. Yes. Yes. And so that makes you fat. That yes. whole movement. Yeah. Come to find out that uh, cholesterol is pretty important. And by pretty important, I mean like if you don't get enough of it, you die because <laughs> it is the building the, block of every cell. Yeah. It's the building block of every cell. It's the primary driver of all of your hormones. Uh, 70% of your brain, I believe is made up of cholesterol. This is off at the top of my head, which yeah, may be up. full of cholesterol now because I've been eating <laughs> so much of it or not, but come to find out that when you reduce your cholesterol, uh, it reduces this white material in and around your brain that uh, is supposed to act as cushioning and assist in, in different brain functions. And when you remove that, you get something called Alzheimer's. And so uh, we have a whole bunch of diseases and a whole bunch of issues now that are caused because of federal intervention and because of the quote unquote experts telling us how one should be healthy. And so I think the general distrust is well earned. And so, but the, what that leaves is kind of quite honestly, like the wild west of nutrition Yeah, where I think people are left trying to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. That's kind of where people are at. And so one of the kind of caveats as we move into this is a, we're not doctors. Nope. Um, we're kind of like a lot of people trying to figure it out. Um, one of the things that's interesting, Dan, is, is I want to start unpacking, you know, how have things gone for us? How has it worked? 
as I've read the books, even somebody like Sean Baker, he's a, he's an MD. Uh, Paul Saladino is an MD, somebody that we've referenced his works uh, quite a bit in the last couple months. And I think even these guys are like, a lot of times they want to say things that are like fact. Yeah. Here's the deal. You know, this vegetable, vegetable, all vegetables are bad. And then you start looking at the data and you're like, okay, I think that's your opinion. Yeah. I, yeah. So kind of like holding these things. Are loosely. you also like liver King WWE, like salesman <laughs> guy? Yes. So I, and the reason I say this is really a Christian issue that I don't want to go to somebody's house and refuse fellowship over one of these things and then be super dogmatic. I do need to go back and say, you know, where's the line here between food preference? Um, something that I've decided, for instance, I'm not eating bread um, at this point in my life. I, I have, Except on Sundays. Well, yeah, which is pretty limited. Yeah, communion. Uh, communion bread. But, but I'm not eating pasta. I'm not eating cereals. I'm not eating oatmeal. And it's because I felt great. And, and I believe at this point it's good for my body. However, I'm not going to go to somebody's house and dogmatically be like, you know, you pagans repent. So I, I guess just as we delve into this, talk pastorally about the, the, the food issue. And um, maybe even as you do that, I'll, I'll say one more thing. Uh, so I was reading Thomas Watson on the fifth commandment. Um, of course, Thomas Watson, you know, involved uh, very heavily in the teaching on the Westminster confession, all that good stuff. One of the things he said is anyone who's concerned for their health ought first to take into mind honoring their father and mother. Um, that's not in our culture. That is not at all where the health and nutrition conversation would start, but maybe that's a good place to start with us and say like pastorally, just a reminder, how do we evaluate health, nutrition, I think you would agree, right? Number one, honor your father and mother. Be faithful to God in the covenant. Health is a covenant blessing. Yeah. Agree, disagree on No, that. absolutely it is. And, you know, it's, it's really helpful uh, that we have instructions in the scriptures mm. in regards to food, you know, that you shouldn't divide over it. That's, right. that's one thing um, that you shouldn't divide over is food. And there are all sorts of guidelines about that. Uh, specifically, the issue was meat sacrificed to idols. Should you consume it? Should you not? you know, things of that nature, but food in itself, really interestingly enough is inherently religious. Mm. So this is one of the big dangers and a design feature of food is that it is inherently religious. And the reason I say that is because look at any religion in the world and you will find dietary laws. You will find food laws. Um, for example, if you go to India and you want a beef stir fry or a roast beef sandwich, good luck, <laughs> you're right. right? You're not going to get that. If you're, if you're in Saudi Arabia and you decide that you want to have a pulled pork sandwich, you're not going to be able to get it. You know, uh, if, um, you know, you're in, in New York in a, in a Jewish area and you also, you want some ham, you know, on your deli sandwich, too bad, <laughs> too bad. You're not going to get it. I mean, Food is inherently religious, and it's only through Christianity that you actually find freedom in Christ through all of God's creation being clean, you know, and being uh, available for us to eat. And so when we start making distinctions, like, like you had mentioned as an example, that you're not eating bread at this point, and if you're, you start teaching that bread is actually a sin to eat, right. it's a sin to, con, you know, to consume bread then you're actually, you're, you're making 
a law where God does not make a law. This was one of the reasons, Dan, and I totally agree with you, but it was one of the reasons I didn't care for the language surrounding the whole 30 because it's, it's couches clean eating and not clean eating. So then it's sure. this whole, it, it could be confused with ceremonial cleanness. Yeah. Where, you find where, this yeah, in any diet though, you'll yeah, find it like, yeah. Oh, I was bad today because I had a candy bar. I had some French fries. I was bad. It's like you feel guilty. You're like racked with guilt because you actually like your conscience is pricked because you made a law around that thing. Right. You know, and uh, even I, I find myself now where we uh, went to Chili's for lunch, <clears throat> because which was of gross. Some of our, it was, <laughs> it was really gross. Okay. Like if I have a choice between say like a two S burger or I've been eating a ton of, uh, salt and strings, salt and strings burgers. Like I go yeah. make a half pound burger. This is beautiful piece of meat, juicy, succulent, put as big and fat a piece of cheese on there as you want. We, we go to Chili's and I was like, what is this shriveled piece of $12 meat that I just paid yeah, for? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so I, I, we went to Chili's. Uh, I can't remember what the point I was trying to make was about well, I Chili's. I think we were talking more about like, it's, it's one thing to have a preference versus a food law. Yeah. But even like, I, I, I think in that situation, like, well, it's, I think it's more, I'm going more of a fellowship reason with my friends. Yeah. That yeah, were, absolutely. Uh, deciding to hang out, uh, but I think not. Um, yeah, I would just say that you don't want to turn it into an issue that's ultimately divisive over things like fellowship. Um, now, I will say we give Ben and Brian a pretty good ribbing. Oh yeah, well, it's the quality of the food, not necessarily yes. like what they're ordering. Yes, yes, yeah, the experience, but they like it anyway. Yeah, so I I think the the important principle to keep in mind is that we have freedom as Christians to eat without the question of conscience. Eat, drink, have what you'd like. Obviously, there are boundaries within everything. But we have freedom in that. And when you start making laws, then you, it becomes problematic. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good word. So, Dan, as we consider some of those things, we dive in now sort of the main portion of this episode. And I think just to say, you know, to ask you, how was it? Um, like you said, we've been what 90 days. Um, I know early on you and I, Dan would come into my office and he'd be like, Oh, you know what I want right now? And I was thinking at the time, I don't know if I'll be able to make the 90 days, blah, blah, blah. Or I'm not sure. At least if, if I make it, I'm not sure how enjoyable it'll be. That sort right. of thing. Yeah. So how was it overall? What's your, what's your take? Yeah. I'll give you kind of like the short snapshot of you know, it started, I was excited for the first week. It was really tasty, you mm-hmm. know, to eat a high fat, high salt kind of, kind of diet, lots of red meat, eggs, steak. So good. Yeah. So good. That got old really quick. And I'm, I think it was probably about 70 days or so before I really felt like, wow, this is, this is actually sustainable really? for a while. So I was quite a ways into it. For it you. took me a long time. And actually the closer, I think having a deadline, you know, like a goal date in mind of saying like, I'm going to make it till Christmas and then eat whatever I want, you know? And then I get closer and I'm like, well, yeah, but I won't eat this <laughs> yeah, and I won't eat this. And then I get to it and I'm like, you know what? I've never felt so good in my entire life. So did why you, would I quit? Yeah. No, I totally, totally empathize with that. Did, did you, um, 
Like, did you go crazy at Christmas? Did you have, were you having like desserts? Uh, on Christmas day, I had ham. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Well, so that was my family party. We had a Christmas feast. I made prime rib. Mm. And so I had a massive slab of prime rib and my, my wife made, uh, there's a, there's actually a, a lady here at the church. Who's a, a French trained chef. Uh, and she made, uh, her recipe for potatoes. Mm. It's a French name. I can't remember. It has a ton of cream in it and stuff like that. I think I had two tablespoons enough for a forkful of potatoes. Uh, that was the only like quote unquote cheat or th- food, not approved food on the diet that I had. I didn't have any sugar, no desserts. Now, as far as, so as a caveat, I guess one of the foods that I have started consuming is about a tablespoon, maybe that's a little bit more than I'm actually eating of maple syrup mm. in, in a Were you uh, not daily drink. Using that early? No, I was not. Okay. Cause I, I think we talked about this in the other yeah. episode. I didn't have any maple syrup. I was having honey. Yeah. I yeah. cut it out for a while, added it back in later. No problem. Yeah. Well, it. and our goals were slightly different. Yeah. So yeah, we'll I, get more I, yeah, into that. But. Yeah. Our goals were a little bit different, but yeah. So for Christmas, no, I, I had ham at our family gathering and then I had prime rib uh, and then a spoonful of potatoes and, and that was it. Yeah. I don't know. What was your Christmas like? Yeah. So I, it, it was weird because you know, the first 30 days I was like, I can't wait till Christmas. Oh yeah. And um, potatoes were the thing. Yeah. Potatoes. It was like the only thing I could think about, um, as it approached. So by the time we were there, you know, we're three months in Yeah, for the most part. And as it's approaching, I'm thinking, yeah, it's really weird because I, I see pie. People had like cookies out and I didn't want them. Yeah. So it, it was kind of, that was kind of an interesting feeling. Um, there was, of course I had been originally thinking like, Oh, I can't wait till we can have some liquor. I'm going to have some scotch or some bourbon. Oh, I did have scotch. Well, and I, I I'm going to talk about <laughs> I've that had because a lot of scotch actually, <laughs> we had two particular nights planned yeah. um, where we had fellowship and we're like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to have scotch these nights, both evenings. And then the next day afterwards, I felt horrible. I mean, I, and we're talking like I had small pours and I think I had two small pours uh, oh, wow. at one of the events. And I just, I didn't feel good. My stomach hurt. Um, I was kind of feeling haggard afterwards. And I was just like, man, I, you know, you get to that point where you're like, well, if this is how I'm going to feel, I do not want to feel that way. Yeah. And I've been feeling really great. Um, so yeah, as we got to Christmas, I was like, I, I did, uh, one of the nights I had just, just a tiny little whisper of scotch seemed to be no problems with that. I didn't eat any dessert. Um, we had, well, Christmas was prime rib. So I had a bunch of prime rib, um, because I, well, I went to the butcher and I was like, Hey, I need some prime rib. And he's, he gets this giant slab out and he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to cut on this slab and I'm eyeballing it. And he said, how much do you want? I said, I don't know. Give me like 10 pounds, which is pretty big. Yeah. That's a lot. Yep. And he goes and he goes, okay, so I'm going to cut off like basically two and a half steaks off the end of this thing. And I said, ah, just give me the whole thing. <laughs> I'll eat that. <laughs> so we ended up cutting up some of it yeah, to have steaks. for steaks, yeah. froze them, vacuum sealed them, froze them. But man, I'm telling you, Dan, I, I pulled your trick. What's that? 
So this year, what we did is we sous vide it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. So I sous vide the prime rib. And then I actually bought like a $20 weed burner, propane weed burner. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just scorched the outside when it was done. So it had this beautiful crisp crust on there. Yeah. And it was, oh, it was glorious. Now I have to say this. Hopefully this person listens to this podcast episode and hopefully they're this deep. But I had a person on Facebook say, I prefer my prime rib well done. No. And I, w- I was like, block, block. I'm not sure that we can. Prime rib they, well everybody done. was asking me, they're like, is it still bleeding? I'm like, it's prime rib. Yeah, I cooked mine on the smoker. It was an 11 pound prime mm-hmm. rib. I cooked it on the smoker to 118 degrees and seared it on the grill. And so it was very, very red. 118? 118, yeah, is what okay. I finish it to. So, yeah. Beautiful and oh, glorious. Yeah, very, very tasty. You know, when I was on the smoker, smoked at 225, 225 degrees for four hours or whatever it took, you know. It seems like that's the ideal diet to me, though, um, where it's not actually a diet. It's a lifestyle change. You hear people talk about this all the time. But the ultimate thing is if you could give something a go for long enough and then it just becomes part of your life where you actually want to remain on it. Yeah. Um, I did have potatoes once felt pretty, pretty terrible. Um, and then, um, you know, we can talk about it in a little bit, but I've sort of transitioned away from strictly carnivore, just meat, eggs, dairy. Um, and actually I wasn't having very much dairy. Um, but more of like Paul Saladino's animal based. Some people will be familiar with that. If you, Check it out on his website, but he'll basically introduce things like fruit, some fruits. So, you know, a couple times a week you're having fruit, um, squash, and then some roots and tubers. Carrots are on there, sweet potatoes, not white potatoes for whatever reason. Um, nightshade. So, that's why. No nightshade. So tomatoes, eggplants, peppers. Yes. And, and potatoes, white potatoes. Yes. Yes. That, that's correct. So a lot of that's been really good. Um, I guess the other thing that I would ask is just like results wise, what uh, have you found? I know we were talking about offline, just um, people who like, there was one guy who hadn't seen you in a little while. Yeah. Um, even, even me, I see you all the time. And there's times where like Dan goes up to, you know, uh, minister somehow in the service, whether it's exhortation or whatever. And I'm like, geez, Dan, his clothes are like huge on him now. Yeah. I know. I, I need to buy a new wardrobe. This is a problem. Yeah. Well, clothes from a long time ago is starting to fit, but those clothes are not exactly in style. Not <laughs> that not I'm a stylish style. <laughs> guy, but no. So I've, I've, uh, I started, I'll just say like, where was I when I started this? Yeah. Cause I mentioned like health concerns. I'm only 38 year old man. Yeah. Like I'm We're pretty young. Age. Yeah. 38 years old. And I weighed 230 pounds. I'm six foot three. So that's not like crazy fat but I was pretty big, 230 pounds. And I had some health issues I was dealing with. So first was like low metabolism. That's pretty minor, but you know, it's an issue inflammation. I had trouble breathing through my nose at night, you know, when I would sleep, really, which, uh, probably exacerbated, uh, made worse. My, um, uh, early sleep apnea. You did have early yeah. Yeah. There were a couple of occasions where I woke up gasping for air. Mm. I would snore all night, every night, you know, when I would sleep. And, um, I, I actually had one real bad scare when I was hunting. I think I'm allergic to pine and I had pine smoke. That's what really? you get in the mountains is like I, where I hunt, it's lodgepole pines and you have a fire. And I went to, to bed that night and I woke up like seriously gasping for air. I woke up in the middle of the night. 
So yeah, sleep apnea was a real concern. I had GERD, which is, it's kind of like a really severe acid reflux where stomach acid goes up into your throat when you sleep Mm. uh, or into your mouth and it burns your esophagus the entire way. And what happens is that it actually damages your esophagus. It causes it to crinkle and gives it a sticky coating. Really? So it becomes really difficult to swallow food. So there were many occasions where I would be eating something drier, like, I don't know, leftover rice, which is disgusting anyway, (laughs) but it would get stuck in my throat. And the only way that I could clear the blockage is to purge it. And so there were many occasions where I would have to purge in the middle of a meal because I would be eating chicken, for example. When you say purge it, I mean, throw up, I would have to throw up because I couldn't get it down really because it was stuck in my esophagus, like right above my stomach. Seems Uh, not good. Elevated risk of uh, esophageal cancer and all sorts of bad stuff with that. And it's very painful. I also had gout, which is like an early form of arthritis manifested usually in the joints around your big toe. And it's very painful uh, caused by inflammation and things like that. Mm. Um, I also uh, had prehypertension, blood pressure, very high blood pressure. Really? Uh, My, I had high bad cholesterol. And I was probably considered on the edge of pre-diabetic. So that was the health conditions that I was in going forward. So if I had two routes, right, I could just continue. If I plugged into the establishment, Mm. go to the doctor, I probably would have been on uh, prescription strength daily antacid, uh, blood pressure medication, statins, statins, cholesterol medication, probably gout medication to reduce. uh, I can't remember what the acid is. Uh, and then I would have a CPAP machine to sleep, you know, so that I didn't suffocate in my sleep or, uh, I could do carnivore, you know, or try something different, but that was, so that was the condition I was in. So now looking back at, at, at the end of 90 days, some of those things reverse itself almost immediately. It was within a week that I could breathe through my nose consistently. At it night. was that quick. It was very quick. Yeah, it was very quick. Uh, inflammation reduced and I was able to breathe through my nose. I've lost 10% of my body weight. So I've lost 23 pounds, which is, um, you know, that's quite a bit of weight for me. Yeah. Uh, three months, 23 pounds. I went to public school, but what is that per week? Yeah. Uh, Two? uh, 90 divided by seven. You've got one. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's about two and some change a week. Okay. Which so, is a healthy, that's usually, they recommend like no more than two and a half pounds a, yeah, a week. Of yeah, right. It was, it was a healthy rate. So immediately I lost a lot of water weight and then it was just a slow progression from there. I've lost quite a few inches. Um, I, I've been able, like I said, wear clothes that I haven't been able to wear in a long time. Uh, I don't snore anymore. My blood pressure has dropped into a normal range. Uh, I'm ex- very excited to get some of my testing done to look at my cholesterol numbers because Although on the carnivore diet, one of the criticisms is that your cholesterol increases. One of the increases is your good cholesterol and it should balance itself out. So yeah. I'm excited to see those numbers uh, and, and to see where I am there. I know I'm not pre-diabetic anymore because a lot of the issues that I encountered are um, weight related. Oh, yeah. So high, f- you know, if you're fat, you're going to have diabetes, like, you know, or a higher risk of it. Uh, certain types of diabetes. So anyway, uh, I'm getting, you know, when I am able to sleep from my children, it's really good sleep. Like I said, I don't snore. I haven't had gout. Haven't had any GERD. Like I'm, I feel great. 
So I, I, that's why I'm hesitant to do anything different because I feel so much better now than I did before I started on this diet. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't seem worth it to me because I feel so good. And there are, uh, maybe we'll talk about it later. There are some, some tricks that we've learned on the diet, you know, on this diet that um, really make it actually enjoyable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And we can jump into that. Uh, one of the things that early on, uh, I think you mentioned this kind of earlier, but like I was eating a typical day. It's like I'd have some eggs for breakfast. Um, I was having like a hamburger for lunch and then a steak or a hamburger for dinner, like every day for like two yeah, weeks, lots of hamburgers. And then I was like, there's just gotta be something else that I can possibly be doing. Um, now some of it for me too, is like, uh, in the seasons where I'm like, man, I'm just craving something different. Um, I, I, I've been basically free myself to say, okay, you know what? We have to be a little bit more creative. And if it means a little extra dairy or something like that, I really don't care. Um, it's going to, you know, if, if you're in the mood for dessert, for example, the one thing as we got near Christmas, I was like, man, it'd be nice to have that one thing where it's like your mind attaches to it. It's sort of a reward for a long day or whatever, where you can have some enjoyment in what you're, you're eating. And I knew I wasn't really going to have dessert. Well, I was talking to my wife about it and she says, well, and this is another kind of another side tangent that I won't go down right now, but, uh, I, I've been slonking eggs and she goes, well, you're slonking like a heinous amount of eggs anyway. She goes, why don't I see if we can find you like a carnivore eggnog recipe, which was ridiculously easy. So this has kind of been my treat, um, which I've really looked forward to. Um, just in the blender bottle, you have like the little, I forget what the thing is, a ninja or something like that. In the bottom, I put just, you know, a little bit of cream and then I'll put uh, some cinnamon, which Paul will recommend this. I don't know what kind of cinnamon it is, but it's supposed to be like non-inflammatory, whatever it is. It tastes good. It was probably too expensive. Uh, I put that in there and then I'll usually put between six and 10 eggs. And then I, uh, a little bit of honey, organic honey. I blend that up and I'm telling you, Dan, that is, that makes me happy. Yeah. Well, you don't have to tell me because I do it as well. Actually, that's what I had for breakfast. Really? Yeah. Just maple syrup instead of honey. Yeah. And I I take it you guys are probably, you probably have a, a way to get like, you're actually using maple. It's not like yeah, it's, Aunt Jemima's. It's, no, <laughs> no, I'm too much of a snob even before. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, I would eat. Uh, well, the, the thing is, I my family makes maple syrup and things like that. But actually, for Christmas, one of the gifts that I received was uh, different classes of maple syrup. Oh, really? So there's like a there are three. It's like an early season, a mid season, and a late season. Really? It's so the quite early a bit season, of difference. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the early season is is typically lighter, and that's hmm. that's like your Oh man, I can't remember the grades. There's going to be some Canuck or, or some, somebody from, yeah, (laughs) somebody from Maine. That's like this, this guy doesn't even know his maple syrup, but uh, the later in the season as is one that I prefer. That's usually like the lower grade and it's the dark stuff. And I I really like that. But anyway, they got different viscosities and yeah, I'm sure that they do. I've never done a maple syrup tasting, but I like it in my, my egg drink. Yeah. I just, I just take a glass with a, I've got a little stick blender. And so I just zip it up. Same thing though. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. Really good. Uh, One of the other ones, Dan, that I've relied heavy on, uh, for a lot of lunch, especially in the wintertime, because it's like stew chili weather. So one of the things that we did with Salt and Strings is we had uh, Quinn and Anthony provide us with beef bones. Yeah. So fortunately, I had a ton of those. My wife has been, every week, she makes a huge 
pot of broth. So you've got amazing bone broth. Well, it's basically bone broth, uh, chili with the meat, no beans, obviously. But that has been amazing. So, you know, when I have that for lunch, I'll heat up the chili. And really, to me, I'll, I'll do one of two things. I either use sour cream or cottage cheese. And like the cottage cheese, I'll just lay it on a little thick. Some cheese. And then this would be my, is it carnivore? Is it not carnivore? But just sriracha. I put a little bit of oh, sriracha yeah. in there. I think it, it, realistically, you start adding foods and see how you react. Yeah, exactly. But, so yeah. We're, I'm at the point now where I've started doing that. In the beginning, yeah. it was just like bone broth and meat. And I was like, ugh. Yeah. It gets old after a while. But yeah, that one for me is just, it's kind of one of those like wintertime comfort foods. Um, it's yeah, also yeah. nice because what gets old a lot of times with hamburgers is like, I want to be able to just heat something up quickly and eat it and not have a ton of prep time. Whereas like even with a burger, it's like you go turn the grill on, you wait for the grill to heat up, then you go out, you flip, you know, it, it takes a half second. Yeah. Uh, with the chili, it's nice. Very little prep. Yeah. I, I, I for my snacks, I'll, I'll make an omelet, mm. like a French style omelet. So it's very loose eggs. Very nice with um, some, we have some raw cheese mm. uh, that we buy from the dairy that we both probably, I think we both Same get our, one, yeah. our, our raw milk from. And uh, will the feds come get us because of the raw milk? I don't. I think we're slonking and we have raw milk. Yeah, we are rule breakers. And I eat raw cheese. They make a chive and onion raw cheese, what? and it's very, very pungent. They do. Like, yes, this this oh. dairy that it is very strong. Like I've had it alone, and I'm like, whew. Even for me, and I love those things. I mean, it's a bit strong, but in a in in an omelet, it's very nice. And then I'll, I'll put some pepperonis in the air fryer and I burn them like they're dark. That, that was the other one. Sour cream. We had while hunting. Yeah. It was the, yeah, it was the pepperoni and sour cream. Yeah. Delicious. Man. It's, it's so, so those things keep me going. The other one, Dan is, uh, it used to be where I was like, oh, I can't wait till I get like a PBR or a Keystone light or something like that. Yes. And, and half our listeners are just like <laughs> these trash people yeah. are drinking he's online <laughs> bush light usually is more like it yeah but bush light yeah but now i've uh i've really been into the uh liquid death yeah the sparkling waters the mineral water stuff mm. man that is good yeah i don't know if you noticed this but my taste buds have changed yes to the point where so recently i said i added fruit back in i used to think things like liquid death i was like this has no flavor mm-hmm. it's just so blah but when you're not consuming sugar or high fructose corn syrup, what I've noticed, um, so like the, the sparkling waters, uh, the other night I had raw cream that we whipped into cream and had over some baked apple. Those baked apples, Dan, tasted like the sweetest, most glorious things I've ever tasted. Yeah. Whereas in the past, I was like, apples are kind of like, eh, low key, not great. Yeah that my taste has changed. I don't Have you experienced yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like raw cream, whipped cream mm. without any, anything in it, just raw cream whipped beautiful is sweet mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. You know, it yeah, tastes yeah. really sweet. It could be the cream that we use as well. Uh, versus the ultra pasteurized garbage that you buy in the store. That doesn't I will taste still, the same. I mean, I'll still drink it. Don't get me wrong. But it but doesn't taste the same. It doesn't taste the same. No, it doesn't. Uh, usually I make my, my little eggnog drink. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this morning, my wife was very generous and she's like, oh, I'll make it for you because you're running a little bit behind. And I go to take a sip and I'm like, I don't know how much maple syrup she put into it. Was it a lot? It, 
Well, it was more than I usually put sweet because it was so sweet. It tasted metallic to me. Like that's really? what, that's what, when I have it like Southern sweet tea, yep, it tastes yep, metallic yep. to me. It's so sweet. It just like doesn't register. Same thing. So I'm very like they're, they're even fish or uh seafood tastes sweet, not like sugary, but it, it, it's definitely like sweet. I don't know. It's just, it, it just has a different flavor. So things have definitely changed when I've had scotch. I don't have the same reactions you do to scotch. Um, I, Every time I've had scotch, it's been fine. I've had twice. It was okay. And twice where I didn't feel good. Oh, okay. I've had it like, oh, a lot more than that. Yeah. But um, it, it tastes like unbelievably sweet to me. It, that was what the, the other thing with liquor. Bourbon was almost, the same way. Almost to the point where it's like, eh, I don't know if I prefer it as much, which is funny because in the whiskey world, usually you're not drinking something that's actually that sweet. When you say like, oh, this is a sweet scotch, you mean it's not smoky and peaty. Yes. You know, it does have like sweet flavors to it, but it's not like drinking honey or no, like Coke. Some, some of the bourbons that we had, it felt like yeah. almost like the sweetness of like a regular sugar Coke. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, wow, this is like insane. my teeth hurt. This is so sweet. Yes. Um, Dan, you mentioned this as well. Some of the things that I noticed, of course, I, I wasn't setting out to necessarily lose 30 pounds. Um, so we kind of had very different results. When we began, I, I think I started out at like 186, 186 pounds. I had been lifting some, you know, wasn't eating absolutely horrible junk all the time, but not great. Uh, so I, I went on, uh, we did the carnivore. I think the first month I was down like, oh, I think it was like six or seven pounds. Well, I hit this kind of problem because that was fine until I started powerlifting with Matt and Barbell Logic because you're doing three workouts a week, um, you're powerlifting, so that's increasing by five pounds on your bench and your squat and your deadlift pretty much uh, each time. Squats three times a week, deadlift every you know same three times, bench twice. Well, I started to realize. I'm going to have to get more calories if I can keep up with this weightlifting regimen. So what I started doing is just increasing. I think like in the morning, uh, I, I was, uh, originally I was having like two eggs and maybe some sausage. Um, I basically switched to four eggs with sausage mixed in. Um, and then like for lunch, just a little bit more chili, just add a little bit. Maybe there's a little more dairy in it. I really started slunking eggs a lot, Yeah, which has been just amazing. Like I, I didn't take me very long to be a believer that like, wow, this really is a, a tremendous benefit. I think there's a real reason why, you know, Vince Geronda and like the weightlifters in the early days were, uh, were slunking eggs. It's like a cheat code. It, it really is. Um, and he, I guess he had found a study where, um, they were treating burn victims. Yeah. 30 steroids. Yeah. 36 eggs a day. Yeah. Raw. And, and they were like, yeah, it's having the same effect as like, as they later would give them steroids. Yes. It was yeah, that was them. the prescription was 36 raw eggs for burn victims. Yeah. Because of the, you know. Regenerative. Re yeah. Properties. Uh, powers yeah. Of. So yeah, we started doing that. Um, so I slowly was able to put weight back on. So I started at 186. I'm about 187 now. Had gone down and then slowly built back up. Um, really focus on a lot of stuff. Like if, if you're going to get more calories, get it from protein, animal fats, um, other healthy fat sources as well. Uh, so you, it, it's different because it's in the past, it always been like carb loading. You know, people would tell you, like, oh, you, you, if you're working out a lot, you got to have a lot of carbs. And, uh, you know, Matt was telling me, he's like, no, nah, that's really, 
you don't have to, and especially if you're eating carnivore, like what he told me, he's like, I used to take a pre-workout. He was like, stop putting that garbage in your body. Mm. He's like, if you want a pre-workout, he said a couple things or some energy for your workout. He said a couple things. You make yourself an espresso. That's one option. You get some caffeine in there. That's fine. But the other thing that I've done that's been really good is I'll make sort of that eggnog drink mix. Yeah. But use some raw milk and some orange juice. And Matt was saying, he's like, if you're already in ketosis, he said, you do this before your workout, like 15 minutes before your workout, it's going to give you quite a bit of energy, but you're going to burn it off during the workout. So I started doing that and it was like, great. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I had mentioned like it took me about 70 days into the diet yeah. before I really hit a groove. And one of the things, it was a turning point, which you had mentioned, because you said, well, I just needed to eat more calories. Yeah. Like, what are you eating? And I'm like, well, yeah, I ate two eggs a day with some breakfast sausage. I'd have a hamburger patty for lunch. And then I'd have like a pork chop or a steak or, you know, something like that for dinner. And I started adding it up and I'm like, I'm eating like 1200 calories a day. Because protein is, it's only, you know, four, four calories per gram. And then, you know, fat's nine, that's, that's higher. But, but when you're eating like, you know, a half pound of hamburger, especially the grass fed beef was, was less than, I think 500 calories. It's not a lot. It's, it's not a lot. It's yeah. like 95% lean. Too. I mean, my libido had gone down. My energy was low. I was just like tired all the time. And you're like, oh yeah, you need to eat more. This is what I'm doing. And so when I started consuming more food, I mean, energy, well, it's, it makes sense because you're, <laughs> you're burning calories. Yeah. You know, you're actually consuming these things instead of just your body going back to the stores. That's why I lost so much weight, I think, uh, in part. And so when I started eating more, especially with some of the, um, with slonking, you know, with eating raw eggs, and with consuming some raw dairy products, man, that really helped to the point where now, um, you know, I, I had an injury, uh, weightlifting some time ago and I just recently started again, night and day difference. Really? I feel, I mean, I get so jacked in the middle or towards the end of my lifts. Whereas before I was like, oh, it's done. I'm not going like, to make oh, it. I don't yeah, I'm not going to make it. I don't want to do this. And now I get to the end and I'm like, I'm ready to go fight someone like yeah. let's go i'm ready to do yeah. the next thing like maybe i should do pull-ups in my workout like what's the next thing yes. i can do with this is like hey yes. slow down sport yes. you know take it easy before you hurt yourself again but but yeah it, i mean it's been night and day difference yeah it, it's great i love it yeah that's the other uh kind of area where i've seen a lot of improvement when i started again i started weightlifting um I think it was about a month in. So I'm in like uh, the, the going into the sixth week of weightlifting. So I hadn't been lifting a ton before. I had done some, but not consistently and not well and not powerlifting. So form was not what you're going to find with like barbell logic. So I just said, okay, I'm going to start with relatively light weights. I think squat, deadlift, and bench were all about 180 pounds. Um, so I was like, we'll just start there. And we'll work up. And this is kind of the beauty of it is just the way that building in progressive load works. So six weeks in, um, I'm looking at all those numbers now. So squat this week, I was squatting 250. So that's three sets of five, 250 three times a week. Uh, deadlift is also 250. That, those both, um, we, there were quite a few workouts where we were paused 
not increasing weight because it was, I needed to work on my form. Yeah. So another, that was really nice with having a coach, by the way, just because somebody who would be like, yeah, don't keep going up. You're going to hurt yourself. Here's some drills. Here's some stuff to be working on. Let's kind of cut back on some of the load, but make sure that our form is correct. And then once, once it would be good for one or two workouts, Matt would be like, okay, great. Now we can increase five pounds. We'll keep going up. Form is good. I feel comfortable. And uh, you can continue to increase that load. And then bench press now is, uh, I think this week I'm at 215. So that is, and it's nice too, because I was for a while, I was doing on bench and shoulder raises, uh, or excuse me, overhead press. Um, I was going five or three sets of five. Yeah. And then, so there's a point because you're, you're limited in your upper body musculature of how much you can increase. It's not like your lower body. Right. And so Matt will kind of find where you're, you kind of hit a wall and he's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to switch to five sets of three. And then we're going to start increasing the workouts by 1.25 pound plates, one on each side. Mm. So it's a lot more incremental, but it ensures that like you feel good. You, you know, you're not absolutely destroying yourself every workout. So you feel good about that workout, but you're also always making progress. Yeah. So, and of course you'll always hit a wall uh, at some point, but that's a really good, uh, it's been really good for me to see like, Hey, I, my goal was to add muscle mass and be able to improve. And so I feel like in the first six weeks of doing that weightlifting carnivore was actually a really complimentary way to eat and still feel great. And, you know, working out is you need a lot of protein, uh, you know, for muscle growth and stuff like that. So I feel like that was, uh, a, a pretty big positive. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to kind of take the discussion in a different direction. So. Yeah, go for it. Well, I was one of the things that I think helps uh, along with the protein and you, you have all sorts of compounds that are complementary within protein to build muscle. Mm-hmm. I know one of the arguments that, um, that Sean Baker makes is, is, um, uh, and, and I don't know if this is true. He's an MD. I'm not, I'm just, I'm a pastor. I'm not a, I'm not a medical professional, but he makes the argument that, because of the similarity of the uh, of the 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 makeup of beef muscle, you know, beef meat to human muscle, it, it transfers much easier. Like it, that's of that's the, the argument. The nutrients, yeah, transfer into your body yeah. as, as far as like is regenerative properties more so than say like a broccoli. You know, where the it's actually more difficult to extract the nutrients from broccoli hmm. than it is from meat. And so that's one of the reasons. I think the other reason that this has been really helpful and what people are finding, generally speaking, is that when you increase your animal um, product consumption, you are also getting more cholesterol. And so I know we had talked about Which just is needed briefly, for muscle growth. Yes, it's, it's absolutely needed for muscle growth. It's needed for your hormones as well. And so what we're finding is that right now, because of a lot of the fertility issues that people are experiencing due to many, many factors. When they go on this diet, some women, um, you know, just in normal world, they've lost their period. They're not getting their cycle anymore. Yeah. Actually, I know women who have skipped a period or have lost their, their, you know, their cycle. Well, they had even, uh, it's like a decade ago, they'd even tied studies with like the amount of, uh, well, basically like steroid treated chicken and how it was caught, like there was this rise in girls 
starting to get their periods at like six and seven years old. Yeah. So yeah. It's, there's it's a whole bunch of hormones. Stuff. Yeah. But, but there's, there are whole like YouTube channels and like people that are uh, women who have lost their cycle and they go on carnivore and they get it back because of, I think in part because of the cholesterol, the healthy fats, a lot of other things. But I think what, what you're seeing is more of a, a, a better hormone balance than you're going to get from a lot of these other diets that are, are, are more uh, vegetable, fruit, and grain balance or based versus animal product based. And a lot of it is because of cholesterol, from my understanding. That's right. And, so, and also what it's doing with uh, a lot of the you know, refined carbohydrates, what it's doing to your insulin, which impacts your hormones, gut health, all those things, inflammation. Yes. All yeah, tied absolutely. together. It's all tied together. It, it, it's all connected. And so um, I, I, one of the things that I, I think that one of the reasons why I think building muscle on the carnivore, which I thought was going to be a big challenge, I thought it was going to be almost impossible to do, has proven to be completely false. It's the opposite. It's the exact opposite. Yes. Well, it, it's the opposite. So hormone health seems to be increasing, you know, energy levels increased your ability to uh, build muscle has mm. increased. Uh, so a lot of my theories were wrong and uh, happily so. Yeah. It was interesting because I think having some people with experience around you to help. Cause I told Matt, I was like, Hey, I'm really low energy. It's probably just cause I'm on carnivore. And he was like, mm, no, you should be good. You know, cause he had trained people who've done it before. So I think having that was helpful. Um, the other thing, I don't know if you did, did you do body measurements? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what the change was? I don't No. Okay. I, the, the, it was like one of the only measurements I actually consistently did just because it was easy was the, um, uh, just a tape measure, like say tape measure around your waist Yeah. at your belly button. Mm -hmm. So this was one I tracked because I was like, well, if you're gaining weight, obviously the goal would be to to gain muscle. Yeah, not and, around your gut. And yeah. not fat. So yeah. one of the markers why why I think this was successful, I never did like a body fat thing or whatever, but I had essentially gone through the thing, like I said, I lost weight, then gained weight as I started adding calories back in. I'm a pound heavier than I was when I was started, but four and a half inches smaller on the belly button waistline. Now some of that I really think, Dan, is the inflammation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. Th there was like one day where I had carbohydrates um, when we were, the first time I was hunting, I, I think I was telling you about that, the cup of noodles were like freezing. I'm like, the only thing to eat is a couple of noodles. And I'm like, Crap. I guess I'm going to have a couple of noodles. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh my goodness. I forgot this feeling of just being like bloated and just feeling horrible. And so I, I think that's where a lot of that comes from too. Yeah. I mean, so, so I have taken measurements. We'll have to update this if people are interested. I'll, you know, I can give the results of my, my blood tests, my testosterone levels and my measurements. Yeah. But I was wearing a 36 inch waist pants and they're definitely vanity sizing, which uh, I, I making you feel better. Yeah. It makes you, it's actually like a 38 inch, but they say it's 36. If you've ever wore like higher end pants, um, you know, they're true to size typically. And you'll, you're like, Oh, what? I thought it was a 36. No, you're not. You're like a 40, you yes, know? Yeah. Uh, and now I'm wearing, um, 34 true size. 
Wow. So, I mean, I think probably I'll find like a four inch as well, if not more around my waist, you know, decrease. So, yeah. Well, especially when, I mean, when you lose like almost 30 pounds. Yeah. That's a pretty significant, uh, pretty significant change. Um, some of the other things, Dan, like as we, we talk about, I, I would say overall, like it's been successful. Uh, I've been very happy. It sounds like you have been as well. Yes. Um, I guess, how have you determined like what's next for you? Yeah. Next steps going forward. I think because of some of my issues in the past with food allergies, I'm going to be introducing strategically certain foods, mostly what I grow in my backyard. I'm a very avid gardener. Um, I have, I think over 1800 square feet of garden space and I have over 20 fruit trees with the intention to plant 10 more fruit trees this year. Oh, nice. I have an apple breeding project that I'm going to be doing anyway, nerd stuff, you know, some other day I can talk about that. But so a lot of the produce that I produce in my backyard will be focused actually on some of Paul Saladino's recommendations as far as like, you know, in the past I grew a ton of white potatoes. I grew a a lot of, um, is it that much harder to do like sweet potatoes? Sweet potatoes have its, has its own challenge. Thankfully, in our climate in Utah, we get enough sun and we have a long enough growing season where it is possible. I grew sweet potatoes this last year as an experiment. And so uh, I'll be growing a lot of sweet potatoes this year because I prefer it over squash. Uh, so anyway, a lot of my, my food choices will be based around what I can grow. So a lot of what I grow are berries, tree fruits, uh, and then yeah, I also have like a watermelon obsession where I grow different varieties of watermelon in my garden you know, different garden vegetables, but, um, and then slowly introducing them to see how my body reacts. That's one of the benefits of carnivore though, is that it's essentially an elimination diet where you've removed any foods outside of like what you makes you feel good. So you're even supposed to introduce dairy slowly to see if you have a dairy allergy of some sort, because most people don't have any adverse reaction to eating red meat. Right. You know? And so when you introduce a new food, say, I don't know, white potatoes, and you, you feel terrible you're like, well, maybe I won't eat white potatoes, you know, and then you try the next thing you try white rice. Maybe you feel good. Maybe you don't, you know, and that's kind of how I'm going to be going forward, exploring part of the, part of the thing though, is I love the discipline, you know, of just being like, I feel good all the time, being able to say no to, you know, indulging in, in certain comforts and things like that. The practice I think has been massively beneficial and you can get that from other, other disciplines of eating. It doesn't have to be carnivore. But I would highly recommend, not as a medical you know, professional or not as a recommendation for health or anything like that, but as far as like introducing discipline into your life, this is a great way of just saying no to what you put in your face. Like stop just eating whatever you want and stop looking just for the delicacies of life. And instead, getting in the practice of saying, no, I'm actually going to deny myself. It makes it a life practice. I think it really helps in the virtues of masculinity of being able to practice saying, no, I will deny myself. I will take the hard choice because of the long term. And when you start doing that, I think in food, it definitely starts to cross over into other areas. Well, I think, Dan, uh, with food in particular, I don't know what it is about food. I think it's because we eat it every day. I think it's because of the stuff in our environment, a very challenging time, for instance, to like stay on a diet and to be consistent in that area. The, there were like 10 years in my life where it's like kind of good intentions, not a lot of great choices regarding food and nutrition. 
And then slowly over 10 years, you know, you gain 20 pounds. And let's be honest, it's not it's not mainly muscle. And I, I think that produces in you a, at least in me, a lack of confidence, uh, frustration, just that the trend in your life is going the wrong way. Um, it can kind of make you feel helpless, like you're uh, out of control yeah. in, in a sense. And on the reverse, I feel like where I am after 90 days is I feel way more confident. I am so much happier with my own health. Um, I feel more confident telling guys that if we have to counsel them and you're, you know, we're talking about like, Hey, you can do this. Um, I'm not saying that from a position of like, you can do this hypothetically. I'm not doing it. Um, uh, but you're actually being a good example. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I don't know. There's gotta be like a, a it's a different kind of confidence, but it's the same thing when you, um, you know, for teenage guys, when you, you stop looking at porn and you get your, you know, get your work life in order and you start developing a mission for your life. And then you, you find the girl and you win the girl and you get married and you make love and you have children. And then you actually feel deep in your soul, like the king of the mountain you've conquered and, and you've taken some dominion because you have, it's not a pseudo thing. It's not like playing a video game and being like, I conquered the Nazis and call of duty. What does that mean? But then you, you put it down and you really deep down, you feel like kind of a piece of garbage. At least I have in my past because you realize I haven't done anything. So I think that, that there's like what you're saying, there's something about that type of masculine virtue that we feel good. I would almost equate it to that, that sense of like when you change the transmission in your truck and you do it yourself and it's hard, but when it's done and it was done right, there's, there's something in the man's soul that you feel good about yourself for having accomplished it. So I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah, I agree with it. Absolutely. You know, one of the other, you had asked the question, what are the motivations for doing this? And one of those motivations was that we had noticed our, our church is particularly fit. Like, I think there's a lot of, you know, healthier people. We're in the West. Yeah. We're in the West. People, yeah. Military. Yeah. It attracts a certain type of person that really enjoys yeah. mountains. If you've ever spent a lot of time in the mountains, you know that if you're fat and in the mountains, it's miserable. You Sucks. don't enjoy being there. <laughs> yeah. So we do have a certain type of people, which makes it very, uh, a very sharp contrast when you go elsewhere that doesn't have that sort of, you know, so you look around and you're like, man, why is everybody so fat? Like people have just lost control. And I, I think there are many answers for it other than just like, well, you just stuff your face with a bag of potato chips every night or something like that. I don't think it's actually that easy. But anyway, that's probably, you know, a different subject for a different day. But we look out and we're like, wait a minute, this is actually a big problem. Is that men, because they don't have fathers to say, hey, stop eating that. Like, how are you supposed to work? You have to provide for your family one day. You're carrying on my name. You know, we don't have fathers. And so we've been left to our own devices, left essentially, you know, without, without the fatherly uh, correction needed. And so as you look around and you're like, wait a minute, if I can't even get my own life in order, if I can't even control what I put in my own face and eat, if I can't control my own health, you know, to a degree, then how am I supposed to say, young man, sit down, listen to me, let's get your life in order. You know, Jordan Peterson became famous because he said, clean your room, you know? And, and so it has to start somewhere. And I think that's one, another reason why we decided to start on this project is because we know that you guys can do this. Like you guys, if you're going to, if you're going to take over the world, 
if you're going to take dominion for Christ and his kingdom, then it really starts at home. It starts with your own personal discipline. It has to start with you first. Yeah, and, somebody, and, somebody had shared a quote with me on Facebook, Dan. It was really interesting, but it was John Owen. So you got to understand a lot of the Puritans, John Calvin included, they were kind of known for disregarding bodily health. But I think a lot of them learned later in life when it was too late, quite honestly. Like most people agree, like Calvin probably killed himself early through his three hour a night sleep regimen. And, you know, he, he accelerated whatever physical problems he had. But it was really interesting. Somebody was quoting John Owen and he was saying, he said, of all the things that he had learned in his life, he was like, take care of your body. Please take care of your body. It is so important. Because when you think about it, it's like, okay, think about legacy. I want to, as much as I can, God's numbered our days. I get that. But as much as I can, I want to be, I want to be like Caleb. I want to be the old man who's like, come on, boys. Let's run hard. Let's fight this fight. And, and let's be real. I mean, let's just, when you are, I was thinking this the other day, uh, some people in the church needed help. We're watching their kids. And I'm like, you know what? I'm 38. And thank God I still have enough health that I can chase. And Dan, you do this every day. I can chase around these little kids because I'm telling you, a 16-year-old boy is a whole different proposition than a three-year-old. Yeah. That three-year-old will zap your energy so fast. But I'm like, you know what? I want to be the guy who can handle that. Yeah. Well, and I want to be the grandfather who's in his sixties yes. in his seventies, who's able to still take his boys, his grandson's elk hunting. Yeah. I, I read a book to my boys the other night. Uh, it took a week or so, but it was called the elk hunt. I, I believe is what it's called. Mm. I, I can check it out, but uh, it, I actually highly recommend this book. Is it hundred pages? Great to, to read to young boys. Good. It's like middle school type difficulty as far as reading. And it's about a 72-year-old man who's an elder at this boy's church who's 12 years old, 13 years old, something like that. Takes him on on an elk hunt, his first elk hunt. And it's a story about this this 72-year-old man. Anyway, the 72-year-old man is in great shape. And I'm reading through the story. I'm like, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy, yeah. Because I chose to have kids later in life, I'm I'm now going to be an old grandfather. They're keeping you young, Dan. (laughs) They are keeping me young, yeah. I don't know. Some days I think they're trying to kill me <laughs> anyway. No, the point is though, I want to be the grandfather that's yeah. actually able to instruct my grandsons on how to go hunting. And around here that, that doesn't mean sitting in a tree stand. That means going into some horrible places. You'll be doing a lot of hiking. Yeah. Yeah. A lot so, of walking. so, I mean, thinking long-term in the, in the legacy, like taking care of your body is very, very important. I, I know you've said multiple times that that means I have to deadlift in my seventies. So be it. I'm going to be pulling deadlifts, yeah. you know, in my seventies because I want to be around. I want to be able to carry on the legacy. One of, one of the things that you'll learn uh, through life, and I'm sure that we have some older listeners as well, but, you know, as 38-year-old at our church, we're some of the older guys, you know, is that as you gain more experience, you realize like, man, I know so much more. I wish I could have done something about this earlier. And the thing is that never changes because you're always, Lord willing, if you're trying, going to be learning more stuff. You're going to be learning new things. You're going to have grander visions. You're going to have greater uh, mission, you know, that has to be fulfilled, especially as your resources grow and your knowledge grows and your wisdom grows, you're going to have more opportunities. And if you're too tired at the end of the day to be able to do anything other than sit on the couch and watch TV, you're going to have a very low quality of life. Yeah. You're going to look back and you're going to say like, I wasted it. 
Yeah. Even if, even if it means that I don't want the last 10 years of my life to be bedridden, if I can help it, or, um, you know, just dealing with chronic health issues that could have been prevented. Um, if maybe in my thirties or forties, I had spent more time with a barbell or watching what I put in my mouth. One of the things I guess we'll close with Dan, I go back to something I shared on Facebook, but it is a Thomas Watson quote. Um, you brought him up earlier, but one of the things that he said um, through poor eating and lack of care for what people put in their bodies, he said, many men dig their graves with their teeth. And I thought, wow, that's really poignant and also quite convicting. Um, on the flip side of it, I hope that people will be encouraged that no matter where you are, you can do it. Um, you can make these changes. A couple I guess final things, nuggets of wisdom, stuff that's helped me. It really helped me that we were both doing it together. And I know it's caused a lot of humorous uh, jabs in a playful way among us men in the church. But when we announced it publicly, <laughs> yeah, it became a source of accountability because like I'd go to the psalm sing and, you know, our buddies would be like, so you're still carnivore, right? It's on your plate there, guy. And you're like, no, it's carnivore. Trust it's meat. me. <laughs> it's meat. I see some cheese on there. That's not meat. Like, oh, it's animal you know, it product. It's it fine. It's yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I actually think so accountability uh, with your friends being on board, um, but also that public statement of like, hey, we're doing this. I feel like it, it made it where people wanted to support you. They knew where you were at. I've, I've expressed this to my wife quite a bit. I said, you know, it's interesting when you don't say anything and you're just trying to lose weight. And there's something to be said about that. I would go to people's houses and they'd be like, oh, would you like, you know, this entire apple pie? I'd say, oh, no, thank you. And they're like, are you sure? We here have some. And it was kind of like forced. It's like, because they're trying to be hospitable. Yeah. They're being generous people. However, when I made the public statement and people were kind of aware, like Eric's on carnivore, people didn't push it. And that actually made it easier for me to stay with it. So I don't know if you've noticed any of those yeah, sorts absolutely. of things, but I, I know when I started uh, and I was like, man, this is really hard. I don't really want to do this anymore. I wish I had only done 30 days instead of 90 days. Dang it, Eric. <laughs> why did you make me do this? And Amelia, my wife is like, well, you can stop anytime you want. You know, you're free. I'm like, well, I am. But we announced it to thousands of people that listen to the hard men podcast. What happens when they're like, hey, what ever happened to that? That carnivore challenge you guys were doing? Oh, Dan. Yeah, he uh, he stopped. You know, he was a coward. He's not a hard man. You know, he's shame. <laughs> yeah, shame. No, so there is definitely an aspect of yeah. that. But but that was a benefit. You, the public announcement because um, even though we're difficult to host because of all of my young boys that love to just destroy everything that they touch, people would still host us. And they're like, oh, no, Dan's on carnivore. We made something just for him. Like we made a beef roast tonight because we knew Dan could eat that. Um, so that was definitely a benefit, you know, of having people are just great, you know, at our church, especially. So, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. The other thing is, um, it seems like, you know, most, most people, it's fairly easy, um, to, to, if people know, like to have an option, there's food allergies and some things that people have, which are actually kind of complicated, uh, to prepare for. But I do think that's one of the easy things. My wife had said, uh, people are like, oh, is it really hard to change your cooking for carnivore? She joined me on it, by the way. And as, uh, loved it but like she said she goes it's actually really easy i mean because like all the side dishes basically meat you have meat yeah what do you need you gonna have a meat with a side of meat <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so it kind of simplifies the uh the dinner menu 
uh, Dan, I think we'll wrap things up here. Um, it's been great having you on the podcast and then we'll be doing some more, uh, Patreon exclusive content, uh, as well forthcoming. So people can stay tuned for that. But again, thank you, sir. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Again, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. Until next time, stay frosty, fight a good fight, act like men. <laughs>